Transforming your body as a parent can be very difficult. There are so many factors before we actually get into fitness that need to be discussed. Are you doing it on your own? Are you doing it with a partner? Are you doing it with family nearby? Or does your family live in a different country? Or are they too far to come and help out every now and then? Does your baby sleep well? Does your baby not sleep well? Are you working? Do you plan on going back to work? Are you not working? There are many questions to be asked. And as a time poor, tired, worried, maybe anxious parent, I know that transforming your body is often not the most important thing on your mind. It's raising a child. I'm very aware of that. But my goal of this podcast is for the parents that want to prioritize their health as much as possible whilst being a parent. It has its challenges, it has its obstacles, but there are ways that we can make a change. And in this podcast, that's what we're going to outline. The first thing that I want to discuss is nutrition. I feel like this is the lowest hanging fruit. This is the thing that we can make the biggest difference with in terms of our physique, whether we want to lose weight, maintain weight, or build muscle. And this is going to differ from the mother and the father. The father obviously isn't as essential for the baby's life if they're breastfeeding early on. If you're doing bottle feeding, then you know you can share roles and switch in and out. So I am going to be saying, you know, for the mothers, I would recommend this. For the fathers, I would recommend this. I do want to disclaim that I'm not a postnatal specialist uh, or prenatal specialist or pregnancy specialist. I'm a personal trainer that has dealt with many parents, uh, parents-to-be, uh, and at different levels, like new parents and also I've trained people that have high school children or adult children that are doing their own thing by now. So I've coached a lot of people through different phases phases of parenting. And the reason that I wanted to do this podcast was because I'm a new parent as well. My daughter turned eight months old yesterday and it's just such a joy being a father. I've really grown into it. It's been really cool to see her develop and grow and become her own person, develop her own personality and her character. And I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. And I want to help you through this podcast to achieve the body transformation or quality of life that you are pursuing whilst being a parent at whatever phase that is. But I'm going to be obviously speaking a lot from personal experience because I'm going through it right now. And so is my wife. And a lot of my close friends are as well. And like I said in the intro, there are so many differences between children. Um, Our daughter has just got her first tooth. Um, My friend's son has got like, I don't know, maybe six teeth. And he's only a couple of months older. Like that's different. Some are walking, some aren't walking. Um, You know, some started solids very early, some didn't. Every baby I'm finding out is different. There are probably similarities and trends as well, but they're very, very different, even just by the way that they sleep, how, how um, I guess, whingy they are. You know, like there's some babies that may cry a lot or may be in a lot of discomfort, um, and some babies are just super chill. 
and they sleep all the time or they're just like, you know, happy to be in your arms. Some need to move. Some need to, you know, or some have um, tummy issues. All right. So there's so much difference within babies that is going to have a knock-on effect on the parents, you know, uh, sleep-wise, ability to have free time, you know, are your parents involved? Are they nearby? There are so many factors, but I'm going to lay this out as clear as I can and try to be as precise and concise as I can. And I want to start with nutrition. The first thing that we have to outline are the nutritional priorities when it comes to the importance of what you're eating and drinking or consuming. And I want you to imagine a pyramid, just like a food pyramid. And at the bottom, for the most important thing that you have to focus on, if you are looking to gain weight, maintain weight, or lose weight, is the energy balance. The calories in versus calories out. How many calories are you consuming? And how many calories are you expending? If you are a breastfeeding mother, you're burning more calories than you were before you were breastfeeding, simply just from the act of breastfeeding. And it's around 300 calories a day. So that impacts your amount of uh, calorie that you're burning per day. So that will also allow you to eat an extra 300 calories if you wanted to maintain weight and you were already maintaining your weight. But anyway, energy balance is the most important thing when we're looking at the nutritional priorities. So if you are unaware of how many calories you're consuming, the best way to get a handle on that is tracking your calories. Tracking your calories just builds this fundamental awareness of how many calories are in certain foods. And of those calories, how much protein, carbohydrates, and fat are within that food that you're consuming. For example, I know off the top of my head that a banana is around 105 to 120 calories, depending on the size. It's predominantly carbohydrates. Uh, there's not much protein and there's not much fat. I know that just because I've tracked calories for a very long time. I know that, you know, chicken thigh is fattier than chicken breast. That's pretty common knowledge, but I know that through tracking. Chicken thigh has more calories in it than it does chicken breast. I know that an egg has around 5 grams of, of fat in it, around 7 grams of protein. There are around 70 calories, 72 calories, once again, depending on the egg. And I only know that through tracking calories. I know that a cup of broccoli is around 33 calories. A cup of pumpkin is also around about 30 and I only know these things once again through tracking calories. And there's a lot of people that stand up against tracking calories and say that it's obsessive and say that, you know, it can ruin your mental health. And there are a certain population of people that that will, uh, that, that, that it may happen that way. But for most people, tracking calories is a great fundamental awareness builder. It makes you aware of what you're consuming. So if you aren't aware of how many calories you're consuming, then track your calories. And once you get a handle on that, you can say, wow, I'm consuming 2,500 calories a day. I never knew that. That's more than I thought. No wonder I'm not losing weight. Or, man, I'm only eating 1,500 calories a day. No wonder I feel like I can never gain weight because I'm just not eating enough food. It gives you this awareness. And to calculate your calories that you're burning, 
I like to use a calorie calculator. There's no point trying to add, okay, this is my basal metabolic rate. This is how much I burn through my NEAT levels. This is how much I burn through, you know, processing food and digesting my food. This is how much I burn through my workouts and trying to add it all up. That's what calorie calculators were invented for. If you don't know of any online, you can use mine. It'll be in the link in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. And it's usually in the description on all the other podcasting platforms as well. And that just gives you an awareness of what your maintenance calories would be. And once again, it's just a ballpark figure. So it gives you an idea. So if you put your calories in and then you start eating them and you're tracking your calories and you're taking on my advice and you're like, well, Brock, I'm still gaining weight. It was just a ballpark figure. Okay. It's a really good guess, but it's just a ballpark figure. And also it can be quite confusing often when you're like, oh, am I sedentary or am I slightly active or am I extremely active or just moderately active? I'm unsure. So maybe you have chosen the wrong one to represent your activity level. But that gets, you know, shown once you eat those calories and you gain weight or lose weight or stay the same, the feedback is there. And then you can make changes on that once you understand that. So the biggest thing, the bottom part of this pyramid is energy balance. So this is the most important thing when we're looking at transforming our body as an individual. But today we're talking about as a parent. The next thing, The next most important thing, the next layer of the pyramid is your macronutrients. And that is what those initial calories that we talked about just before are made up of. Fat, carbohydrates, or protein. And this is the next most important thing because this is how we, in terms of body transformation, can determine, you know, how fueled we are, how satiated we are. Uh, if we are creating any deficiencies within ourselves, uh, if we have a high protein diet to help maintain our muscle mass, these are the things that we need to be aware of. So I'm just going to rattle off some numbers for you and you can take some notes, you can write it down so that you as a parent can understand the macros. So for protein, we want to like a really good place to start is just how much you weigh in kg and just doubling it. That is the amount of protein you should be having per day. That's just a good place to start. So for me, I'm around 90 kilos. I'm a bit less now because I'm in a calorie deficit, but I'm around 90 kilos, so I would eat around 180 grams of protein per day. If you weighed 70 kilos, there would be 140 grams of protein per day. This is a great place to start. If you work with the imperial system and you weigh yourself in pounds, maybe you're from America, then you just... just look at your weight in pounds and that is how much protein you should have per day. If you weigh 200 pounds, you're having 200 grams of protein per day. If you weigh 150 pounds, you're having 150 grams of protein per day. They're slightly different numbers because technically one kg is 2.25 pounds. But if you're just doubling it, it's easier. And as a parent, you know, we're a bit time short. We just want something a little bit faster to sort out. So just double it. If it's pounds, keep it the same. So that's your protein sorted. The next thing we want to sort out is our fat. And I like to sit around 0.7 to 0.8 grams of fat per gram of, of, uh, sorry, per kg of body weight. So if you weigh uh, 90 kilos, well, I'm going to have to do this live, uh, 90 times 0.8, just doing it on my laptop in front of me, that is 72. So you'd have 72 grams. If you weighed 100 kilos, it'd be 80 grams. That is like a minimal spot that we want to be at when we are looking at uh, our fat intake. It is very calorically expensive 
So if we are looking at trying to lose weight, we usually put fat down at the lower end, but ultimately it's just what is sustainable for you and what you enjoy when you are eating the same calories. With carbohydrates, they just make up your remainder of calories. So you sort out your protein, you sort out your fat, and then you're like, hey, the rest of my calories are just carbohydrates and they act as your fuel. So now you have your calories sorted and your macronutrients sorted. And then you just track your calories to make sure that you hit these numbers. I wouldn't be doing a service to anyone if I didn't acknowledge the fact that tracking your calories can be a pain in the ass, especially if you're a mother, you're running around and this is me assuming that you're at home, right, with the baby. This is just our situation, right, my wife and I. But if the mother is at home running around, breastfeeding, you know, putting them to bed, you know, waking them up, you know, cleaning them, dressing them, doing all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're finally down and they're finally asleep. And then you're like, oh, I need to track my calories. Like maybe that three minutes is just three minutes that you just don't have. So what is something that we can go by if we're not going to track calories? Look, that's difficult because the less detailed we become, the less exact we can control the results. There's a quote that I always quote, but what is measured can be progressed. So the less that we measure, so if we're not measuring calories and we're not measuring protein, fats and carbs, it's very hard to say, oh, that's why I'm gaining weight or that's why I'm losing weight because there's nothing actually being tracked. So do your best to track calories and track protein. That is like, uh, and, and, and fats and carbs. That is very important. One thing that you can do to fall back on that is just track your protein. And, and if you hit your protein target, that's cool. And then you just try and hit your calorie target as well. And then your fats and carbs can just sit where they may. Maybe that's a high fat diet and low carb on one day. And maybe it's a high carb diet and a low fat one day. But the research is pretty clear that if our calories and our protein target are matched, it doesn't really matter if we have high fats or high carbs or low fat or low carbs. As long as our protein and calories are the same, the body transformation is going to be pretty similar. Um, it just really depends on what feels best for you. I've trained people and I've found that um, quite a lot of the females that I've trained actually operate better on a higher fat diet with slightly lower carbohydrates. And um, men are kind of the opposite. That's just what I've found through anecdotal experience. I don't have any research to back that up. That's just what I've found through training thousands of people. That's just the picture that has been painted through the transformations that I've achieved. So that is a way to kind of like step down from tracking everything. Just track your protein, track your calories. If you wanted to step down even further than that and get even a bit more vague, what you could do is just look at having a serving of protein in every single meal and reducing the amounts of hyper-processed foods that you're having because then those foods are going to be more nutrient-dense, they're going to be more satiating, and that's going to prevent us from overeating, which is generally the problem with new parents, all right? People have kids and they gain weight. That is the common, that's the common thing, right? It's just what happens. You, you have this person to look after and often the care that is 100% directed at you and your husband or your wife or your partner or whoever you've had this child with, 
that energy has to get divided by whatever division that seems to be, depending on how chill or how hard your baby is to raise. Um, so it's very difficult. It's very difficult. But yeah, it is what it is. You have to kind of make do with, with your situation and just be kind of as positive as you can be, right? With the energy that you have left for yourself and for your family. Um, so macronutrients covered. The next thing um, is vitamins and minerals or micronutrients. So this is the kind of s smaller step up from the pyramid. This is the, the third layer from the bottom. And that is why I was like, you know, have a serving of protein with every meal and then like try to reduce the hyper-processed foods that you're consuming. So that means you're going to have like low-processed or unprocessed foods, which is fruit, vegetables, and meat. And then there are other things like milk and yogurt that are in there as well. Um, you know, they are very awesome uh, sources of nutrition, very nutrient-dense. And um, they are uh, uh, full, full of micronutrients, right, to help support our body uh, for all the processes that we need. And if we are just going to be consuming rubbish food, but we are having the right amount of calories and protein, you know, okay, you might get the body transformation, but long-term, and then also, especially for mothers like that are breastfeeding, you want to be nourishing your body with every mineral, every vitamin that you can through nutrition. You know, there are supplements that you may be taking, but you know, consuming them through food is always going to be a great source. So micronutrients is the next one up. After that, so even smaller, towards the top of the pyramid, this is the second to last one, we have meal timing and frequency. Now this is near the top because it's not that important. If you have six meals or three meals, ultimately it has the same impact for fat loss or for muscle building. What really matters is what's at the bottom of the pyramid, which is energy balance, calories in versus calories out. This is the most important thing, okay? So if you have six meals of, of 2,500 calories versus three meals of 2,500 calories, it's going to be exactly the same. It's going to be processed the same. You're going to lose the same amount of weight or gain the same amount of weight or maintain the same weight. It's all the same. But I will caveat that with you may feel different. For example, I hate eating lots of small meals throughout the day. It's just frustrating. I don't get this feeling of satisfaction. I don't get this feeling of, oh, I'm so full. This feels great. I'm like frustrated. I feel like a cow grazing on grass that just can't eat enough. I'm, I feel ravenous. But if I sit down and have a big meal, I absolutely love it. And I feel way, way, way better for it. Like even right now, while I'm cutting, I'm in a calorie deficit. I'm having like three big meals in a day as opposed to like a meal and a snack and then a meal and then a snack and then a meal and then dessert. That frustrates the hell out of me. That's just me. There is no right or wrong in this, in, in, in this situation. But what feels better for me is to have like more satisfying meals where I get that feeling of, oh man, that was so good. Like now I'm good. I'm good for three or four hours. I'm just going to like do my work and then I'll come back later on when I feel hungry again. But that's just how I feel. And it just depends on how you feel as well. If you don't want to eat until midday, that's completely fine. You don't have to. Once again, this comes down to the child. As a parent or as a father 
When are you able to eat? Who knows? <laughs> it really depends. Sometimes you can just like sit down and eat with your children depending on what age they are and how how they're able to you know be around food and stuff. Uh, with us, we're not really there yet. We're kind of there, but kind of not there at the same time. So it's kind of like we're just eating when we can. Um, we're having late dinners at the moment because um, our our daughter <laughs> loves to just be awake. She's not the biggest fan of sleeping. So um, like, for example, last night I got home around seven o'clock. Our daughter was like being put down um, she, and then she kind of woke up. 45 minutes after she was meant to like be asleep for the night, which is not uncommon for her. And then she woke up and then she took another 45 minutes to settle. So we ended up having dinner at 8.30 p.m. When we were with that child, we were having dinner at like 5 p.m. And then we were in bed by like nine asleep. Like we had a awesome sleep schedule that was like, we were feeling great. We were sleeping an adequate amount of hours and feeling good. But now... It's very different. We're having dinner like very late. And then after having dinner that late, like last night, I wasn't tired. La, 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 la. It kind of has this like knock-on effect. So meal timing, you know, is something that we would like to plan as much as possible. But sometimes it just doesn't happen. Can we have our breakfast at nine o'clock every morning? Probably not. But that's something that is empowering to know. Because now you know you don't have to have a specific meal at 10 a.m., and if you miss it, you're a bad person and you need to take this guilt around all day and have this anxiety of, oh, I ate too late. Maybe I'm going to gain weight. Oh, I had carbohydrates at 10 p.m. I'm a bad person. We don't need to think like that. Meal frequency, whenever you have your meals, it doesn't matter. Like it might impact how much you weigh the next morning. Like I've been weighing in every morning for or most mornings for my fat loss journey that I'm doing the Built by Brock 8 Week Challenge at the moment. And... I'm having such late dinners that when I wake up and even after I go to the bathroom, like I might take a leak or if I'm, if I'm like lucky enough, I'll do a number two because that will like make me lose more weight when I weigh in. Um, I'm eating so late that sometimes that doesn't happen and I'm, I'm, I'm not losing as much weight. And I think that if I had a, obviously if I had a 5 PM dinner, and then just like went to sleep, I would have all that time to like digest everything. But I'm having really carb heavy dinners late at night because I like that satiating hit of food. Like, ah, I'm having that late at night and it's still in my system. So I'm retaining a lot of water when I weigh in. So I'm actually probably weighing heavier than I technically am. Maybe I'm making excuses for my lack of uh, <laughs> calorie deficit, but it's more so just that I'm still retaining water from the carbohydrates that I had on the night before. I'm almost like carb loading before I go to sleep. So it will impact your weigh-ins if you're weighing yourself every morning. Uh, but meal timing and meal frequency doesn't really matter in the large scale of things. If you want to skip breakfast and start at 12 p.m., go ahead, be my guest. If you don't want to eat until 3 p.m., be my guest. If you want to wake up and you're absolutely starving, you want to eat at 5 a.m., that's also really cool. It just really depends on what you want to do. And that's why uh, it's empowering to know this. The last point of the pyramid, right at the top, is supplements. AKA, it doesn't really matter. This is the least important thing that you could be worrying about when transforming your body as a parent. Your creatine, your fish oil, your caffeine, these things, like they're not the biggest deal. The bang for buck things are looking at 
how many calories you're consuming versus how much you're burning. What are those calories made up of? And then within those like fats, carbs, and proteins, like what micronutrients are you also consuming? Are you consuming a lot of salad or are you not? Are you consuming fruit and vegetables or are you not? Because you'd probably feel better if you would and you'd probably have more fiber and feel more full if you were consuming more fruits and veggies and micronutrients, right? Supplements, look, creatine's awesome. I'll always stand by creatine until the research tells me not to, but creatine monohydrate is a game changer. If you want to increase in strength, increase in recovery, potential increase in uh, cognitive function. Um, and also there was some research on uh, creatine helping when you are sleep deprived. <laughs> so for the parents out there, maybe creatine is something you need to consider. But five grams a day is all you need. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Fish oil potentially you, is, is something you could look at if you're not having seafood once to twice per week. Uh, and caffeine, I love it. Like there's a big coffee. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see. If you're not, you, you can just appreciate that. I have this very large coffee that I got before this podcast. So um, I don't fall asleep because I didn't sleep very well last night. But caffeine is a bit of a game changer. Caffeine suppresses appetite. So right now, while I'm pursuing fat loss, it's 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 my best friend. I'm having two coffees before breakfast because I'm waking up, uh, depending on how I sleep, and you know, depending on our daughter. But our wife, our wife, my wife, uh, you, you know, usually looks after her sleep throughout the night, so I can be fresh for work. Um, but you know, I'm. I'm waking up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. I went through a phase where there was a couple of 4.45s in there. I don't know what I was doing. But I have a couple of coffees to push my breakfast back to about 9 or 10 a.m. So I'm fasting for about five hours after waking up, uh, th three to five hours, I would say. And that just helps me to push my calories back and helps me consume less calories while I'm trying to lose weight. You know, Otherwise, I used to have a smoothie at like 6 a.m., and it was like 1,200 calories. So then by by the time it's 10 o'clock and I'm about to jump into my next meal, I've probably already had almost 2,000 calories. And it's 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so while I'm trying to lose weight and minimize my calories, I'm skipping that big smoothie in the morning and, I'm, and I've substituted that for yogurt, which is much lower in calories. Now my breakfast is around 700, 800 calories as opposed to 1,200. Um, so that's helping me lose weight. So that is one effect of, of, of caffeine. I, I have it in the form of coffee. I like black coffee, have it in the morning. I feel great. It kind of picks me up as well. Um, I do enjoy the taste and we have a coffee machine at home. So I usually just make it um, while my, uh, my daughter and my wife are asleep. And I do some work before they wake up. Um, and that kind of keeps my mind busy as well. But caffeine does suppress your appetite. And it also does uh, increase your performance if you are looking at, you know, training whilst you're a parent, you know, and and lifting weights um, or doing whatever you do. But if you want to increase your performance, caffeine has so much research behind it. It is the the like dominant ingredient in pre-workouts that is having the most effect on your performance if you're feeling an effect with the pre-workout that you're taking i feel enough with coffee you know you can take caffeine pills but i'll i i remember i bought some once but i was like what am i doing here why am i buying pills when i can just like drink this awesome drink that tastes delicious so coffee is a great thing i like to use it to push my breakfast back in the morning and 
it would be a recommendation for you to do so as well if you're looking at reducing your calorie intake as a parent. A couple more things that I want to cover with nutrition and parenting are other options that may be able to help you stick to a healthy diet. Option number one could be a meal prep service. Our family or my wife's family, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, or in Macedonia, my bajo, which I learned last week. Thank you to Bob. Um, they're using my muscle chef and it's helping them a lot. And once again, this depends on the children that you're bringing up or the child that you're bringing up. You know, like they have two kids, which is like, as we're discovering, harder than, than raising one kid. Um, or I shouldn't use the word harder. I, I guess I should say more challenging because it's it's also beautiful raising children as well. Like it's such a great feeling and a great fulfillment. But it is challenging. And they are using a meal prep service called My Muscle Chef, which is based here in Australia. And they're and they're finding that it's helping a lot. And the great thing about this is it's like they're nutrient-dense foods. And depending on the meal prep service that you use, because there are a lot, uh, you know, you can get really nutrient-dense foods. You can get vegetables with lean meats. And often, you know, they have like high-protein, low-calorie ideas, which is really cool. Um, you know, they're, they're including vegetables that you probably don't have time to cook. They're also including different various cuts of protein that you may not be able to consume. And I think, you know, if you're gluten-free or if you're vegan or if you're this or that, they are able to make changes. Like most meal prep delivery services do that. So it's a great option. Like obviously, I'm not saying that it's cheap because also you've had a kid. Expenses have gone up because you're raising a child. Um, but if you're looking at, you know, making sure that you're consuming these nutrient-dense foods and you want to feel good, um, often nutrition is the lowest hanging fruit that we can impact. Because the truth is we have to eat. And meal prep services can be a great way for you to get frequent meals in because sometimes you just don't eat because maybe there's nothing in the fridge that you want to eat or you haven't had time to prepare or cook something. Um, or it's just like everything that you have isn't, you know, isn't appetizing but meal prep services are a great option and I would recommend them. I've had them before, not currently as a father, but I've had them before uh, just as a convenience thing previously. And it was it, it's so easy. You just chuck them in the microwave, bang, and then you're eating, you know, eight minutes later, which is much easier. And once again, this depends on, on, on your child and how much time they demand of you. But sometimes it's hard to cook rice, cook pasta, cook a, you know, cook some protein, cook some vegetables. Um, or even just have things prepared or even going grocery shopping can be a huge mission. It depends on your child. Once again, you know, maybe they just absolutely lose it as soon as you leave the house or maybe the father's looking after them while you're sleeping or maybe you're going to the gym because you, this is your only time to gym and then he has to do groceries and they just like miss their mom and they're just like bawling their eyes out. Like things can be so hard as a parent, but things can also be easy. It depends on your child once again. So meal prep services can be a great way to kind of like reduce the chances of you not succeeding in your diet. It's like it's already there. Yes, you're paying probably more than you would if you were going grocery shopping. But grocery shopping ain't cheap, mate. Grocery shopping is not cheap at the moment. All right, moving on. Uh, uh, one thing, and, and this is 
you know, maybe not something that you ask of your friends or your family, but if your family and friends could do anything for you, and this is one thing that I learned from Jacqueline Orwell as well, who I had on the podcast previously, you can check out our episode somewhere. Maybe I'll put the card in here. I've never done a card on YouTube, but you can put it here, I think in the top right corner or maybe I'll point to this corner as well. Maybe it'll be here. But we did a podcast and she mentioned that one of the best things that people can do for you is to cook for you. And she said that to me, that was before I had my daughter, man, eight months ago. It was probably like nine months ago. Um, She said that to me and I was like, yeah, cool. But now I really appreciate that. Like my wife's parents um, brought us some food multiple times and it has been a like a time saver and a lifesaver just go into the fridge reheat some some food my wife likes to have some things cold whatever you do whatever floats your boat it's cool but you just go into the fridge heat it up and you're good that's what i would do and we had like roast vegetables we had you know cuts of meat cuts of seafood like we were very spoiled for choice seafood pasta so delicious spaghetti bolognese i was like man this is like like we would never well because my wife's looking after the daughter most of the time i'm not the best cook i'll be honest so i <laughs> you know, if i make any of that food it's going to be overcooked or undercooked or the sauce is going to be terrible it's probably not going to be salty enough probably going to be too much pepper there's probably going to be too much salt there's going to be so many things that i'm going to screw up so if your friends like offer or your family office, like, is there anything that we can do for you? If you don't have enough, like, if if you don't have shame, and you shouldn't because it's your friends or family, ask them to, like, just bring some food. Like, we've also had friends do it as well, and it's, 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 it's such a game changer for those few days or for that week, depending on, you know, how much food you get. You also have to keep in mind that you have to eat it or else you just feel like, you know, people give you so much food that, and, and, and you can't eat it. So it's good to give them a recommendation of like how much, but then you feel like, okay, like you don't want to be like, hey, can I have um, three sirloin steaks, four salmon fillets? Uh, you know, if you could roast up 20 potatoes, like then you just sound like a dickhead. But having food in the fridge really does make a game like does make a game-changing effect for your life Um, next I want to move on to training I hit nutrition first because that's the lowest hanging fruit training as a parent depending on your child is a luxury not everyone has the opportunity to train for us for my wife and I and our daughter it's very challenging for my wife to train and work out because my daughter absolutely adores my wife her mother. She wants to be around it all the time. When she wakes up, I take her for as long as possible before she wants mum. And that usually lasts about an hour. Some days I've stretched it to an hour and a half. Some days it's like 30 minutes. But she just really wants to be with her mum. So for us, for my wife to get a workout in, it's very challenging first thing in the morning. First of all, because my wife because uh, my daughter doesn't sleep very well throughout the throughout the night, so my wife is often very very sleep deprived, hasn't slept much. So that's why I take my daughter in the morning so that she can get an extra hour hour and a half while I play, and then I also get time with my daughter before I go to work and record this podcast. So it's hard for her to get a workout in then because an hour 
is not enough to like walk to the gym, train and then come back and then be there for our daughter. She just doesn't want to have it. Like she, she won't have it. So we, we find alternative times for her to train and it's, it's, it's challenging. Some days she's trained once a week, some days zero times per week on a really, really solid week. She'll hit three in a week. Uh, and it is getting better over time as our daughter's, I don't know if you could say getting better at <laughs> getting better at sleeping, but you could say that she's uh, getting older. <laughs> That's a guarantee. Um, but it is getting slightly better. So my wife is, like you could say, slightly getting in more workouts. Um, but nutrition is always something that you can like make the most of because you have to eat every day. But with training... It can be difficult. You know, we've talked to a mother and she's like training almost every day. And it's just, you know, good on you. Good on you, mate. You, you know, you can't say anything else. You can't you can't get jealous. You can't wish you were them because you can't change your situation. You just have to make the most of your situation. And the way that my wife and I stay so positive is obviously because we look at our daughter and we just like fall in love. But, you know, it could be much worse oh no, we're sleeping five hours a night, could be four. I think this is the best way, and this is just outside appearances, just the just the rule in life that you can use to keep your perspective positive. You can say, could be worse. You know what I mean? Could be worse. Oh no, I only trained 45 minutes today. It could have been half an hour. Oh no, I only trained half an hour. I could have not worked out today. You know what I mean? Oh no, our daughter's not sleeping. But hey, our daughter has not been sick. She hasn't been to emergency hospital. That's a lie. But I'm just creating some scenarios for you to stay positive. And like these are ways to kind of hack your way into being positive. Because often, and parents may admit this or not, I'm not afraid not to. It can be very difficult. So I think finding ways to gamify or just like change your perspective into a positive one is is a really uh, important way to like stay happy and stay fulfilled and keep your eye on the prize, which is, you know, raising a great child. Um, so like, like with training, it really does just depend on on your baby. We have had to change gyms. So we went to a gym, which was awesome. It was it was part of a RSL, shout out to North's Fitness. It was part of a RSL, which had like a club rooms and like pokies and all that kind of stuff and a restaurant. So they had a lot of money. They had business. And that meant the gym was like always being like, when we first signed up, it was going through a renovation. So like a week or two after we signed up, we had like a full new gym. It had awesome like seated row handles, lap pull down handles. It had like new flooring. It had a hip thrust machine. It had like assisted pull up machines. It had like a cross training area where you could do walking lunges. Then it had like a private room where they do classes where like you could stretch or do core. And you know, there was heaps of space, heaps of cables. There was like three cable machines, you know, a couple of leg press machines. It was about three squat racks. It was a really awesome gym. But we had to sacrifice that to go to a different gym, which isn't as good and very small because it's a nine minute walk from our house. 
And okay, we're at a shittier gym, but it's convenient. So it's 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 easier for my wife to walk down and go to the gym and then walk back. It's much faster. So we can walk nine minutes, train for 45 minutes to 60 minutes, walk nine minutes back. Maximum, that's an hour 20. And that's and that's that's solid if you are to train for an hour. But often, you know, it's it's less than that. But whatever. Stay positive, right? So We've had to make that change. And also, you know, I opened up a gym, a personal training studio. So I um, train at the Team Brock Ashby Body Quarters most of the time. And we have trained here in like as a family, but also it kind of just like stresses us out if we're training here. And then we have to like entertain our daughter between sets, um, especially because, she, like I said, she loves her mother. So she just wants to like be on her all the time. Um so training does depend on what your baby or child will allow. And I know that there's a the theory of like, you know, you just help like make them go along with your life. And we're all for that as well. We do whatever we want and she just comes along. But then there's a point where it's just kind of like, maybe there's a better way to do this. And that's what we're kind of like figuring out along the way. So with training, I can't really give any specific uh, individual examples apart from ours. Um, my training hasn't really changed. Uh, and I'm still managed to 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 be at jujitsu three times a week, doing five workouts, and 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 that's a very heavy training plan as a dad. And I know that not many dads can like I work in a gym. I'm an online personal trainer. Like training is a centerpiece of my life. I have to keep training. It's great for my mental health. Um, I really enjoy it. I'm learning every time I'm doing it. It's 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 awesome. But I know that many dads will struggle to, you know, if you work a nine to five, you wake up, you look after the kids, you go straight to work and then you finish work at five, you go to the gym, you know, you get there 530, you train till seven, you go home, like that's your day done. It's very hard to do that five times a week and then add in, add in jujitsu on top of that. Like when do you do that in your lunch break? Like almost impossible. So do what you can. I will say a great minimum to to try to pursue is three times per week. And with that three times per week, that's full body training. So I want you to look at six exercises in this workout. And you have to choose an exercise for each of these muscle groups. And this goes for a mother or a father. It doesn't matter. Full, full body training is an efficient way to train. And it's going to um, help you maintain muscle mass, stay mobile, stay functional, stay fun, stay fit as a parent. And I think it's a good baseline to try and maintain. I, and I would say this is my minimum. And that's three times a week. So an exercise. So there's six planes of movement. Or, yeah. So we have horizontal push, which is like, let's just say chest. We have vertical push. I'm doing the actions. So if you're only listening to this, uh, you're missing out. So make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, the the Better With Brock podcast. Uh, vertical push, which is shoulders. That's two exercises. And then you want to do a horizontal pull, which is like rows. So any row, seated row, bent over row, single arm dumbbell row, choose a row. And then you have vertical pull, which is like any pull down or pull up type of movement. And then, so that's our upper body covered. If we're just looking at hitting the basics, four exercises, you've hit every way that your body can move. Now with legs, lower body, you do 
a quad dominant exercise and a hip dominant exercise. So your quad dominant exercise could be like a leg press, a leg extension, a squat, a split squat, a lunge. Your hip dominant exercise could be a deadlift, a Romanian deadlift, it could be a leg curl, uh, it could be a back extension, it could be a good morning. Those are the options that, like if you hit those, like one exercise for those, each time you train, every time a different exercise, awesome. Like that is awesome. You take those close to failure, six exercises in a workout, like you do three to four sets of each, that's only going to take you about an hour, potentially 45 minutes. You do that three times a week, that's a awesome foundation to maintain. You could, like I'll confidently say, you could definitely build muscle on that if you're eating enough calories and if you're doing everything right. That is a great way to to train as a busy parent that can only train three times per week. I will add this in, you can also look at training at home. So I took my adjustable dumbbells that were here in the gym back home for my wife to train upper body with when she couldn't make the gym. It's happened every now and then, it is difficult to train at our small apartment, but she's got it done a couple of times and it's helped out. And if you find it easier as a parent, as a mother or as a father to train at home, then go for it. I recommend getting adjustable dumbbells, adjustable benches, and resistance bands. This is the Built by Brock setup. So Built by Brock is my subscription program, and you get new workouts every four weeks, and you get weekly live coaching calls every week. You get nutrition advice. um, You get programs that are tailored not individually to you, but individually to your membership that you sign up to. So Built by Brock, men at home, men at the gym. Women at home, women at the gym. So you have different kind of um, memberships and your program is tailored to that person in that environment that they train in. So if you're training at home, you take out the commute to the gym, you take out the you know, know, commute back from the gym. That's pretty much what we're cutting out. And now like as soon as your baby goes to sleep, you could go bang straight into the lounge or straight into the garage, whatever situation that you have and go and work out. And that could be the difference between you making the session and not making a session. So if you are really struggling to get to the gym, maybe you should potentially look at building a gym in your like, and, and I don't mean building a gym, like paying for, <laughs> paying for a lease and doing this and that. I just mean like getting a garage gym, like, um, to to build the body quarters I got a hold of quite a lot of gym equipment and then I sold it and I was selling it to a lot of dads that were picking up gym equipment that had just had kids and were like oh me and my wife training in the training the garage now or we train in the basement now and you know I've got a squat rack and I got some dumbbells and I was selling dumbbells I was even selling flooring mats because I ordered too many for the gym expensive expensive problem Um, so I was like selling them and yeah they were dads that were training at home because it was too hard to justify going to the gym. And I completely understand. Like one guy had three kids and I was like, mate, fair play. Of course. Why not? Like you can still train at home. It's such a good option. So if you're if you're really struggling to get to the gym, look at that. Or potentially you could look at, you know, doing a hybrid situation where I have a few clients in Built by Brock that do like, you know, three um, three gym workouts and then two at home because that's just the way it works, um, you know, with them being a mother. So, you know, so, some days they're looking after the kids. So when they put them down, they'll train. But then other days when the kid's at daycare, then they will like be able to go to the gym. So they have like a h- hybrid kind of setup. And that can work for you as well. It really just depends on 
on what you want to do. Um, and that's, um, this leads me to the last question around training, which is like, should you change gyms to be closer to home? That is one thing that we sacrificed, um, you know, going to a better gym for a gym that's close to home and still getting in, I, I guess, just as good workouts, but just a, in a not as motivating or stimulating environment. So that is one thing that you could, uh, you know, ask yourself. Most people do just go to the closest gym to their home anyway. But if you're not and you're like prioritizing a really awesome gym, maybe you look at getting something closer so it's more realistic that you get more frequent gym sessions in. Because, you know, going to this nice fancy gym and getting two workouts in or going to one that's closer to home and getting four in and the workouts are pretty much the same. It's just a different environment you know, I think you should just go for the four workouts at the shitty gym. It's just, it just makes sense. Take it for the team, mate. Lastly, with training, I want to talk about walking and the importance of it. And that is probably the lowest hanging fruit that you can do for your training, especially with mothers. Like, let's say you're at home, you're looking after your child. One thing that you can usually do, obviously, if you have a cesarean, this does impact it. And people have things that, you know, happen to their hips as they give birth naturally. Um, and other you know obstacles that they may potentially have but what you can do as a mother and as a father and even as a family it's really nice to do is just go for a walk the importance of walking I think is so overlooked and underrated it seems too easy to do that it has no impact but it actually has the biggest impact impact on how many calories we burn throughout the day. And if you are unaware of how to uh, calculate or if you're unaware of the science behind how many calories we burn per day, go back and listen to the previous podcast. Maybe I'll do another one of those card things and put it on YouTube so you can click on it. Um, Or just go back, stop this podcast, go back to the previous one. And I explain for probably 30 to 40 minutes the science of burning calories so you can understand it. But our walking or our neat levels are um, responsible for 20% of the amount of calories that we burn. 20%. The biggest portion, 60%, is our basal metabolic rate, basal metabolic rate, which we really can't change. It's made up of our height, our weight, our age, and our sex. We can't really change that apart from losing weight. And then even when we do lose a little bit of weight, it doesn't make the biggest difference. It makes a little difference, but not as much. What makes the biggest difference is our NEAT levels. If we have high levels of NEAT or non-planned exercise activity thermogenesis, that really drives up the amount of calories that we burn throughout the day. If we have a person that does 6,000 steps versus 15,000 steps per day, that person is going to be much leaner than that person. Or that person is going to eat much more than the 6,000 person because they are just burning so much more calories. So they're either going to be leaner because they're in a larger calorie deficit or they're going to be eating more and have a stronger metabolism because they burn more calories throughout the day. So it's such an overlooked thing. I would look at walking, especially if you're a mum that just like can't find the time to train. It's generally easier this day and age to find a place to walk. You can go to a park, you can put them in the pram and walk, you can get them to sleep, put them in the pram and walk, or you can put them in the carrier and walk. If they're asleep, you know, make them sleep in the carrier and then keep walking. These are the tricks that we use as parents, and I say we, but I pretty much mean my wife, 
that she uses throughout the day to get her steps up, to be physically active, to get some sunshine. It's really nice time for her and our daughter as well to be outside. Our baby loves being outside. She went to the beach yesterday and like swam for the first time, um, like in puddles, like in the um, in the like shallow portion of the beach. And like my wife said, she was absolutely absolutely loving it. Um, and generally, like, why would a child not like outside? It's crazy. Better than being inside on screens. Um, but yeah, outside if you can, walking is such a such a steal. Like you, it's 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 so easy to do, and it's underrated, and it can help you lose body fat because it's the biggest thing that we can uh, move in terms of our physical activity to burn more calories. It's the biggest thing that we can manipulate and control. Like our neat levels are around about. 20% of the amount of calories that we burn throughout the day. Our workouts are only 5 to 10%. 5 to 10%. So our walking is literally literally double the amount responsible for burning calories than our workouts. So when you look at it like that, it makes sense. So let's zoom out a little bit more, like our walking and our fidgeting and our like scratching our hair, tying our shoelaces, doing the washing, washing the dishes, like those are our neat levels, non-planned exercise. That stuff burns more calories because we, if you sleep eight hours a day, it's pretty much what you do for the rest of the 16 hours. That's your neat levels, but your workout's only like 45 minutes to one hour of what you do today. Of course, it's not going to be as big as your neat levels. So look at it like that. Walking is underrated. Walk as much as you can. It's great for you. Not only physically, but also mentally to be outside. Get some sunlight on your skin. Hopefully, you know, you don't live in the UK where it's always where it's always gray. Um, but yeah, get some sun on your skin. It's, it's, it's like, man, the summer is turning up here in Sydney. It's getting really warm. So my wife's making the most of it. And on the weekend, tomorrow and Sunday, it's going to be really hot too. So planning to get some sunshine in. Lastly, um, so that is training. If you have any other questions, uh, put them in the comments uh, or send me an email, team at teambrookashby.com around training uh, when being a parent. The last thing I want to touch on, which is not really advice because you can't really give advice in this situation, but it is uh, to sleep when you can. And you can't give specific sleep advice because babies sleep. Some sleep terribly, some sleep very well some sleep somewhere in between. You know, we have a daughter that doesn't sleep very well. So our sleep is quite limited. You know, uh, my wife's is definitely more impaired or impacted than mine. But, you know, our daughter isn't the best sleeper. So the best advice I can give is sleep when you can, right? And this is easier said than done because if your baby's asleep, it's like, okay, just go to sleep. But maybe you haven't winded down for the day and you really like that time. Maybe you haven't caught up with your spouse and you really love doing that. Maybe you haven't, you know, done as much work as you need to do. So now that the baby's asleep, you finally have to do that work. Um, but I will say like a lot of parents, I mean, this is just my circle or what I'm aware of or what I've seen, what content I've consumed. Um, are consuming just like too much content, doom scrolling, not really achieving much when they would be better off sleeping. And not only does that help with your performance, not only does that help with your hunger levels being suppressed and you know your, your likelihood to overeat being lower, um, it also helps you with your, like your happiness. 
if you're sleep deprived on top of, you know, all the other things that are going on with parenting, the stresses that you have or just within life, you mix in tired on top of that and it's just going to get exponentially worse. And <laughs> like as a parent, it's very hard to avoid being tired. It's kind of like, of course, you know, peanut butter and jelly, parenting and tiredness um, or sleep deprivation. But like sleep when you can. That's just my best advice. You know, are you going to regret, um, you know, scrolling for 20 minutes? Probably not. But will you regret how like shitty you feel throughout the day? Most probably. And it's hard to see that at the time because you're consuming it. Your brain cells are going crazy. Your dopamine things are going crazy. And you're like scrolling and you're like, oh, this is really cool. But then you look at it and it's like midnight and you could have slept for the last one hour, but you've just been up doing that. I think your time could have been uh, invested smarter than that, than just scrolling or just like watching TV or something like that. I get it if you're unwinding and catching up with people and have to do things. If you don't have to do it, if, you, if you're if you literally just like escaping your reality, just go to sleep. You'll feel much better for it. And I'm going to leave the podcast there. That was episode number 44 of the Better With Brock podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, episode number 45 will be coming out next week as well. Uh, looking forward to getting more guests on, growing the podcast. Look, I don't monetize or run ads on this podcast all i ask is that you subscribe to the channel leave a comment leave a positive review that's all i ask and return for this awesome podcast giving you some great free content i appreciate it i hope from you or you'll hear from me in a week see ya bye